morning, everyone, and welcome back to Breakfast with Boz, being served by Wahoo. I am your host, Ian Boswell. I'm actually on my bike this morning, here with my wife. We decided for breakfast this morning, we're gonna ride up to Danville, Vermont, and go to a little cafe bakery up there and grab something different. I have no idea what's on the menu, so we'll check in once we get to the cafe. Sitting in the town green now, eating a croissant, bacon, egg, spinach breakfast sandwich. We're splitting that cappuccino and a cinnamon roll. Gretchen, would you do this more often? Can't believe we've lived here three years and never, never done this. Heck yeah. It's such a treat to be able to wake up early and ride to get a good treat. We also got a cinnamon roll. You didn't say that. Oh yes, we also got a we also got a cinnamon roll. But it's uh, funny the things this podcast makes us do. It makes us explore our own neighborhood. My guest this week is a longtime Wahooligan, a former Olympian, and a current Ironman triathlete. Sarah True joins me for this week's episode of Breakfast with Boz. But before we dive into my conversation with Sarah, I'm going to send you over to my colleague Matt Porter to tell you a bit more about the latest Wahoo Frontiers film that has just launched. It's all about Sarah and her new frontiers. So let's hear from Matt, and then we'll dive into my conversation with Sarah True. Hi, Matt Porter here from Wahoo. I'm excited to release the third episode of Wahoo Frontiers, featuring the inspiring story of Sarah True. Sarah's story is one of perseverance and hard work. It is sure to inspire you to set new challenges, go after your goals, and to use sport to become a better version of yourself. Check it out over on the Wahoo YouTube channel, and be sure to share it with others. Thanks, and enjoy this episode of Breakfast with Boz. For the second time, I'm here with Sarah True. We recorded something back in, was that February in Boulder? And since then, a lot has changed. So thanks for coming back on. Oh, my pleasure, Ian. Thanks for having me on. And as of today, the new Wahoo Frontiers video has come out documenting your story. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty exciting. I can't wait to see how it comes out. Well, when we came to you and when you started filming with Ansel, what is your frontier? What does that mean to you? Like your frontier? Yeah, it's it's funny because I think it's more than just my story considering the point where the world is right now. So we're we're all facing a lot of uncertainty about the future and just trying to stay, you know, present in the moment, trying to anticipate our next steps. You know, for me, what is my next frontier? What lies ahead? You know, I think and these are all questions we're asking ourselves. So, yeah, of course it's it's my personal story, but I think it it should resonate with a lot of people just uh the state of the world right now. Yeah, and it's it's interesting in this point in time because so many athletes for so long have been focused on just one goal. Like, you know, it's for you it's Kona or, you know, the Olympics in, in years past and you're not stuck in the cycle, but like you're just you're constantly working towards something. And all of a sudden this year there's been no events. And it's like, well, you have this time to actually reflect and be like, oh, what am I gonna do? And I experienced this last year, you know, in my recovery from concussion when I wasn't racing. I was like oh, wow, like I don't have anything to train for. This is like strange to not be preparing for something. Like you can just kind of like turn these blinders on and you're just, you know, looking down the tracks and all of a sudden like this horizon is open. Like, oh, like you're thinking about all these other things. Have you noticed that? Yeah, absolutely. I think if if you are fortunate enough to race professionally, you are focused on the micro. You know, you're focused on that day, what the training is, how you can best recover, what your nutrition is, 
that is your job is to deliver on the micro level. And, you know, you have a coach to think about the the broader perspective, but you're working towards a goal, but just kind of checking these boxes, moving day to day, moving towards a certain race with a certain goal in mind. And all of a sudden you remove that goal and the macro changes, you know, you, and it resonates all the way down. So the whole chain of how you perceive yourself as an athlete, how you perceive your sport totally shifts when you no longer have that very discreet goal you're working towards. It's like you said, you you have these blinders on, you're working towards something and all of a sudden, you know, we're while some sports, you know, that are able to continue to compete and move on, uh for those of us in in triathlon in the US, we have we have nothing on the calendar this year. So right now I'm looking at maybe I'll get to race next year. But I've in my entire career, you know, if you talk about even starting back when I was uh, a seven-year-old swimming, you know, you go race to race. Like I've never had a year where I haven't raced. And this is the first time I'm in that position. And it's both disorienting and freeing, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, because like you said, it, it it allows you to really step back and examine yourself and think where where you want to go as a person and as an athlete. Well, and there's no question that you're, I guess the end of your career is in sight. You're not retiring, you know, in the immediate future, but it's, you know, you're coming to a point where like maybe this pause has allowed you to be like, all right, well, there is going to be a life after, after triathlon. Have you started to like evaluate what you would want to do after that or thought about it more? Yeah. I think, you know, athletes, uh, if, if you are fortunate, you have a few years towards the end of your career for a transition. You know, that's that's the best case scenario, right? Because, you know, like an athlete like you, you, you didn't have that period of transition. It was kind of foisted upon you. Yeah. So you had to adjust very quickly. You know, what's I think the upside of of this period is it's really kind of sped up my my transition. So I've been able to think more deliberately about what I want to do next and trying to put things in place for that. So it is totally a multi-year process. You know, Ben and I, my husband, you know, we're, we're both athletes and we talk about how we can set ourselves up for the next phase of life. We've been talking about it for years. Now, I think back in 2017, I definitely was playing with that idea. So I'd just come off the back of 2016, you know, four-year buildup for the Olympic Games was focused on trying to fight for a medal and had, you know, totally devastating race. You know, I DNF'd in the world's biggest stage, you know, with with uh, an injury. And I got done with that race. When you're an athlete, sometimes the easiest thing is to keep on going race to race and not even really question what you're doing. And after that, I kept on racing. I reached this point in 2017 where I finally gave myself the opportunity to kind of sit back. You know, Ben was this great voice of reason. He's like, listen, Sarah, if you're if you're done with triathlon, you've had a great career. You know, you can you can hold your head high and be proud of what you've done. And it took me a little while to ask myself, am I genuinely done? Is this is this it for me? And it took me uh, until probably, so there was about October 2017 where 
it was this epiphany. I remember standing in the driveway. It was about the time of Kona. I was seeing all, on my Instagram feed all these photos of Kona. I'm like, I have to do this. You know, I my career will not be complete until I do Kona. You know, the story I have for myself in in this sport, there is no conclusion until I do the most famous race, you know, the one that basically put triathlon on the map. And then that was that was my logical next step. You know, I still love racing. I still love training. I know I can do better than I have in Ironman distance. But I feel like at the, I'm at the point in my career where it's all a bonus. You know, any race that I might be able to do from now on, it's a bonus. I am finally at peace with, you know, the highs and lows of my career. Of course, we all have regrets. There are far more races where I feel like I could have done way better than ones where I'm like, yeah, you know, I feel pretty good about that yeah. one. But that's every athlete, right? Yeah. Well, I, I saw that, well, you said something when we last met. You said like that no athlete finishes their career and achieves everything they thought possible, which like I heard that and I was like, that makes a lot of sense because in sport, you are constantly, you know, you're, there's always something bigger. It's like if you win, you, you got a big dog. <laughs> but if you're, you know, if you win Kona, then all of a sudden it beca- it's not like the end there. It's like, oh, well, can you win it again? Or can you win, you know, can you break the record and win the most Konas or whatever it may be? And like that really resonated with me that almost no athlete, regardless of sport, whether it's, you know, endurance sports or look at NFL or NBA, whatever it is, that every athlete, I think, looks back on their career because it does end at some point and looks back and thought like, oh, I could have, I could have won that one or I could have, you know, sunk that jump shot. And like almost in, in a sense, you look back on the things that you didn't achieve rather than you did achieve, but maybe throughout this, you know, the last couple of months taking a step back. And I've really noticed this for myself personally. Like I didn't think I was going to stop racing, you know, at the beginning of this year, road bikes, you know, I had not planned that going into my like kind of life's goals, but all of a sudden I was able to like take a step back and be like, Oh wow. Like I actually achieved a lot. And you mm. appreciate, you know, especially when you're in the sport and you're going race to race, you're surrounded by people who are constantly winning or achieving something or, you know, hitting their targets. But then you actually get to take a step back and be like, oh, wow, like you said, you've been to, you know, Olympic, the Olympics like twice. Yeah. And, you know, you've come really darn close to winning an Ironman. (laughs) And in in a sense, does that actually allow you to now like look forward to Kona and think, you know, there's like a window which you have the ability to still go back. You know, you're still within this, you know, you're still physically ready for it. Do you feel like now you're almost more mentally ready because you can appreciate going back like it's a bonus. There's not the stress of an Olympic Games. It's like, hey, this is like a bonus. I still get to do this and want to do this. Yeah, I I think I can I can compare and contrast with so when I was doing the Olympic focus, the IT racing, it's very for me it was very results driven and, you know, so much of how I valued myself as an athlete, but, you know, even more as a person was really did end up hinging on results. And it was, you know, you you get so tied to it. You get so precious, I think, about how you finish in races. And then this bonus period, uh, it's, it's a, it's very distinct shift for me where it all, you know, the Ironman stuff, it's, it's very personal. You know, of course I'm competitive and want to do well, but it's not results driven. It's, you know, very much about personal fulfillment and, you know, if I get to race again, it's going to be a continuation of that. You know, I I I want to do myself proud. I want to do my sponsors proud, all of that. But how I value myself uh, is no longer tied to that. And I think it's it's totally freeing. And I wish 
you know, I had a time machine could go back to, you know, my first professional triathlon and have that mindset. Um, but sometimes you learn along the way. Yeah. And that's one thing that I was, you know, I've been thinking about watching your, your video is that, you know, you have all this experience as you get older, but you maybe don't have the physical, you know, ability, you know, being young and just kind of reckless and training hard and recovering quicker. And it's like, there's this fine window when like you have all this knowledge, but you still have the physical attributes mm. to like maximize on that. And it's something that like really hit me. I was like, it's actually interesting. Like if I knew what I knew now, then even now, like stop ending my road career. I'm like, oh wow, I'm doing like better time trials than I did when I was actually racing because I'm like, I'm not stressed about it. And, like, you know, all these, you just gain life experience. Mm. And it's interesting to like, kind of look back. And I'm sure for you, like looking back on, you know, Olympic distance stuff, knowing what you've learned through Ironman, but like, I don't think you're going to want to go back to oh, Olympics. Oh no, you lose that speed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it is, it is an interesting transition and, you know, you went from, from the Olympic distance to Ironman. Was that in a way at that point in your career, was that almost like a new challenge? Like, did you rediscover the love for the sport? Did you almost get burnt out on the Olympic distance triathlon? Oh, I totally got burnt out. So I was in this, well, what's pretty normal for it. I think it's pretty similar to what you did as, as a cyclist, world tour cyclist is you're living out of a suitcase nine months out of the year. And, you know, at a husband and a dog who was back in New Hampshire. And here I was, you know, traipsing around the world racing. And it just, it felt very empty a lot of the time because it was very much focused on me and focused on my career. Uh, and without that perspective that having life balance really brings. So I I definitely struggled, you know, towards the end of it and then realizing that I had been so caught up in the results and not not valuing the progression enough, not valuing the day-to-day -day enough. And what I love about this, you know, latest chapter of what I've been doing is that I've been able to find life balance. You know, I I can be more part of my family's life. I can be part of my husband's career and think of myself as more than an athlete. So it's been, I wish that I I could have understood that it's possible to not live out of a suitcase nine years and months out of the year and you know still be a world-class athlete. Uh, I didn't realize I could do it until I had done it. Well, do you think, I mean, I had a teammate a couple of years ago, a Russian writer who knew he like put a date on the end of his career. He's like, I'm good. I'm doing this for four more years. Mm. And like, you know, he's going to, he has like an end date. Yeah. So he knows like, oh, I only have like, you know, four more pre-tour altitude camps. You know, when you're out training now, you know, hypothetically, let's say Kona's going to happen in October, which we all hope so. Next October. Right. <laughs> not right. Next o October. Not this October. It's already gotten moved. <laughs> yeah. Is that going through your head? Like, you know, I feel like a lot of athletes, you go through your career and you're, you're training, but you're like, you know, oh, maybe this, I'll just use this as a training race. Like this is just practice and, you know, I'm next year and there's, there's almost an infinite, you can't rationalize that there'll be an end to that career. But when you're out training now, is it going through your head that like I have like this run or this ride or swim is like, you can visualize like, oh, if I can put this together, like I can have a shot at winning Kona. And like, it's all, all of a sudden it like makes it relevant. Like what this training is for. I know you love the process of it, yeah. but more so the fact that you can see not the end in sight, but you know that it's like, there are less opportunities now. Yeah. I think how every athlete goes about it is different. I've also seen athletes who have a very fixed date and then something happens. You know, they get injured or they're overtrained or the race doesn't happen because there's a global pandemic. Yeah. And 
it's really disorienting. You know, it's really hard for them because they had been focusing so hard on that fixed point to be the end. That's an ideal scenario, obviously, is is I say, okay, this is going to be my last race and I'm going to put everything into it and then I can walk away from the sport. But I also just want to give myself the freedom that if I'm training for a race and it's not there, now you you know when you're really reaching to try to get to a race. Yeah. And I I don't want to be at the point where I'm dragging myself out the door because of this thing because ultimately like if you can't go to the race if you can't perform the way you want, it's okay. You know, yeah. it's I think it's giving yourself the permission to walk away from your career without having that final race has to also be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Was it almost, I mean, for you, and I mean, it was very similar for me. I think a lot of athletes, and I think more so in, in Ironman specifically, because you, you can only do so many races a Mm, year, you know, when you were doing, you know, Olympic distance or, you know, road racers or, you know, people doing, you know, 5k runners, like they can race a lot more frequently because the events are, are shorter. Has it become, have you enjoyed the process more, you know, as you get older, but also as you've transitioned to Ironman from Olympic distance where you actually enjoy the process more and like you can, you know, you're going out and you're doing way more training than you are racing. Like, is that something you really enjoy is the, the process of it all? Well, it, doing Ironman, like you said, because you can only do so few of them, it, you really have to enjoy the training because you get a couple opportunities a year to race. The rest of it, is is absolutely staying focused and i what i like about the training is that you really see the progression as you get closer to the race and you see the volume going up and there's something very gratifying about that you know but the short course racing you don't really see that build up quite as much you know a few months in the beginning of the year where you see things ramp up quickly but then you're just going race to race uh but yeah it's it's pretty gratifying but it also means that the stakes are much higher when something goes wrong you know when you race more frequently you can easily dismiss it if it goes wrong move on to the next one if you get two opportunities a year and something goes wrong in both of them it feels like a devastating year. Yeah, there's way more opportunity to, you know, put that behind you and go to the next race. But like you said, with, with Ironman, I mean, how many did you do in 2019? Four? I started four. Yeah. yeah. But that's like a pretty big yeah. season. I mean, not many people are doing yeah. more than four or five right. at, the, at the highest level. Oh, you you can't do more than a few effectively. Yeah. 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 A nine, nine hour well, event is I I started four and finished one. Yeah. Well, hey. Yeah. I mean, it was a brutal year, man. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, we're sitting here now. I mean, you're dressed in your running kit, getting ready to to go for a jog, or I'm sure it'd be a sprint for Fiverr to come along with you. But you know, what has what has kept you going through the last few months? When is you know, I think we spoke well in February. You were like the season was all ready to roll, and then slowly, you know, one by one, events got pushed back or delayed or canceled, and then you know, Kona got moved to February, so maybe there was still a goal inside, like oh, I'm going to keep training for that. But now, you know, February Kona has been canceled, so you're looking at October. That's still what 14 months away yeah you know, so what's keeping you going because you're still following a structured training plan you're still training as you would if you were i mean maybe some things have changed the intensity and the you know kind of said like the micro you know specifics but you're still training as if you were getting ready to go back to racing yeah so we we basically have shifted to an approach of having good baseline fitness because you and i actually discussed this last week that on a on a ride that uh 
as you get older, it's harder to get back in shape. So you just kind of want to stay pretty fit year round in case things turn around. And I know my fitness level is such that if we have a race on the calendar in three months, I can get ready for that. There are no races probably on the calendar three months from now. That's the fitness level where we are right now. When you've been doing, you've been diversifying your training as well. You've been doing more gravel riding and probably spending less time on your, on your TT bike. Um, (laughs) but it's, so you've, you know, you're continuing to train, but just like changing the style in which you train almost. Yeah. I, I think what I've tried to do is just really appreciate all the good things about training, about exercise. Yeah. You know, it's for me, I live in an amazing area. You know, it's lots of dirt roads, it's hills, it's beautiful. And I just like going out on my bike and exploring and giving myself the freedom to explore a little bit and just to see what it's like to train hard, but mostly easy, but do it for fun. And yes, it's still a training plan because I think uh, people underestimate the psychological load of trying to be prepared for a race that isn't there. So I've removed that and just tried to focus on the things that I love about training without the race in mind. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, definitely. It's you're you're just training for pure pleasure. And yeah. sometimes it's funny how when you're actually just training without specific goals, you're not stressed either. And mm. You're actually like, oh, wow, I'm actually like really moving today because you're just, you're having fun. You're like, I feel good. Like you're not hyper analyzing everything that you would be if you're preparing for a race. I mean, there's so many, I'm sure for yourself as well, there's so many races you're preparing for and you have a, a, you know, a session when you're not feeling great and you start to question everything like, oh, maybe I did too much or not enough. And you get in this like vicious cycle and now you're, you're training. I mean, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but you're training for just, you know, to stay fit but it's, in, it's like fully enjoyable because you're just doing it because you want to do it. Yeah, I think what's what's great about it's given me, I almost feel like it's full circle. So when I started as a kid doing sport, it was just for fun. And it, yeah, I did some racing, but it wasn't about the racing, wasn't about the results. It was about community and getting out there and being active and trying new things. And I feel like that's kind of the position where I am again, where it's about the doing. It's not about the end result. Well, do you feel like you've almost come full circle in the sense? I mean, it sounds like, you know, I think a lot of us get into sport because we love it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you kind of get to the point where like you need to get results for for contracts or sponsors, whatever it may be. But now you're at this point where you're performing just as at just a high of a level, but it's kind of like back to being a kid. And you're like, you realize like this is a privilege to be able to go out and, you know, run, swim and bike all in one day yeah. and like just purely enjoy it. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like work. So when when you're really trying to get ready for a big race, a lot of days you re- you get out the door because it's your job and it feels like work and you're exhausted all the time. But right now I go out the door and I think to myself, I get to play bikes for four hours today. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's still work in some sense. Uh, you know, this is still my job, but I also realize that it really underlines for me the fact that long after my last professional race, I'm still going to be out there playing bikes and swimming and running because it's part of what makes me tick. You know, I have been very, very fortunate to be able to make a living out of this, but I would do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's where I'm going after this is going over to ride with Ansel. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get my daily ride. Well, I mean, how has sport changed you as a person? I mean, especially probably in the last couple of years, you've like you said, you, after 2016, 2017, you were looking, 
you had this moment where you're like, Hey, maybe this is the end. It wasn't. And you're still going, but how has that, how has it changed you? Just what you've learned through sport and kind of being in a sense, your own boss and looking after, you know, there's no one, you know, knocking on your door saying, okay, Sarah, it's eight o'clock. You've got to run. It's like, Hey, these are my workouts and I can get them in when I want, but you, you're essentially accountable to yourself. So how is, I mean, what has sport taught you and how has it changed you? Yeah. So I think I've always had this fear of, will I be able to transition to a quote unquote normal job after being an athlete? It's been hanging over my head for years, but we got a little preview of how these skills that you learn as an athlete are transferable to other jobs a few years ago. So we, Ben and I, uh, started a coffee roasting company with a couple of friends and we've since sold the company to them. But we realized that, you know, like you said, that sense of accountability, the goal setting, you know, the attention to detail, you know, the focus on both the the micro and the macro and just trying to keep both in mind, you know, you, it's like a training program, you know, when you have a business, you're thinking long-term and you have long-term goals, but then also day-to-day operations, you have to make sure that you have systems in place Mm -hmm. for greatest efficiency and realizing that there are skills that you learn as an athlete. You don't realize it in the moment, but 100% the, they will make you more effective at a job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I've, I've found that in the sense that I think when you have a training plan, you know, I'm not sure what platform you use to like track your training, but you want to get everything done. Like, you know, you want to finish every day and look back at your, your training plan and like, you know, you want to check the boxes. Like I did my run, I did my swim, I did my bike and finish the day, like with a clear head, like I got everything done. And I think that's one thing for myself that's been challenging in a workplace is that things can like, you're you're kind of depending on other people to, you know, respond to you or get back to you. And like, I try to like go to bed every night and be like, all right, everything's ticked off for today. Cause that's like my mindset from being an athlete is you want to make sure you've done everything for the day. You start the next day, clean slate, but like in the normal workforce, like things get strung out and you're dependent on other people. Whereas now, you know, you're dependent on yourself for doing, doing the work. I mean, speaking of of future endeavors, I did just submit my application to the Tuck Business School Next Step program, which is a program for retired athletes or veterans who are looking to transition into the, the workforce. And yeah, I'm not sure if I'll be accepted, but I did apply and you actually sent me that. Yeah. That they were we're in the enrollment window. Is that something you would consider doing at the end of your career? I mean, it's yeah. literally right down the block. From yeah, there. yeah, it's down the block. Uh, I've heard great things about the program. I I actually got off the wait list for my first prerequisite for uh, a master's program I'm looking at. It's going to be a couple of years of, of courses before I, I am able to do the, the full-on master's program. But it's I think education is such a big part of of moving forward for me that what I want to do, I realize that yes, I have these skills. It's a question of being able to use them in a way that's valued by, you know, the marketplace essentially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's trying to transition. But you I mean you do gain so much experience through sport that I think you don't realize at the time, but you go to a, a different career, different job, and you realize like, oh wow, like you've acquired all these skills through the years without really knowing. Essentially, you have a, you have a PhD in endurance sports right now and you don't know it, but it, you, you have it and you have all these skills that other people don't, don't know. Yeah. Well, let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, as, as somebody who's on the other side, the fact that you're telling me that makes me feel better. <laughs> well, to wrap it up here, as, as we, you know, hopefully people go over to, to Wahoo's YouTube channel and check out your Frontiers video, what would you tell a young Sarah True. Oh, geez. Uh, Just to be kind to herself 
and value herself for more than sport to in a, oh ian you're asking me the tough question to or if you to, were to, if, yeah, I mean, if, to if, if there were to be a, yeah. a young athlete sitting here at the table what advice would you give them try to find life balance because it's going to make you an, a more effective athlete to just kind of accept you know whether your strengths and weaknesses and work on both but don't Take yourself too seriously. I don't know. Have a good sense of humor about what you're doing because at the end of the day, it's just a sport. It it's is. awesome. It's an amazing trip. Wild ride. But it's just sport. Yes. And yeah, there's a lot of lessons to be learned and make sure you accept everything that comes your way because there's a lesson to be learned in in the victories, but probably more so in the losses. Well, absolutely. Well <laughs> said, Ian. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much, Sarah. My pleasure. Well, folks, there we have it. Another episode of Breakfast with Boz being served by Wahoo. Thank you all for listening. And if you haven't already, head over to Wahoo's YouTube channel and check out Sarah True's new Frontier video. It is awesome. Coming up next week, the Tour de France is starting this weekend. I am so excited. The racing has been incredibly thrilling the last couple of weeks and the tour is happening. The race hasn't even started yet and all sorts of anticipation is in the air. What's going to happen? So for the next three weeks, we're talking Tour de France, hearing from riders at the race, some people behind the scenes, and we're actually going to be giving one rider the job of keeping an audio diary during the tour. So stay tuned, everyone, and I'll catch you all right here next week on Breakfast with Boz, being served by Wahoo.